Morning Liberty. Hey, what's up, all you crazy people? This is Good Morning Liberty. Good Morning Liberty podcast for all you liberty lovers out there. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. How you feeling today, man? What's my name? Charlie. Oh, we got it out in the first one. There you, you go. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I was, uh, before we turned this on, um, I was talking to Charlie about this this post I saw, uh, and it's from this this AI software uh, that they that they have mimicking Joe Rogan's voice. Um, so they they made it to where Joe Rogan was talking about you know all these all these different things uh, that really made no sense at all. And it was let me tell you what it was creepy, wasn't it? The like, have you seen the Boston Dynamics videos? Even no. There is some weird stuff happening. I have this theory that the next step in evolution is actually robots taking over. And how I come to that conclusion is for the longest time, I always thought, well, well, they have it now. Let me just explain a little bit what they have now. They have that software, which is crazy. Uh, Let's play a clip for them actually here in a little bit. And uh, so they have that software. We also have uh, robots holding doors open for each other. And then here's the other thing that's crazy about our artificial intelligence is that they're all connected to the internet, right? So they, you have robots that can learn a human thing. Like let's say they can learn one human thing a day. Well, it would take a long time for that robot to learn a lot of stuff, wouldn't it? But here's the thing. They're all connected to the internet. And so if you have 20 million robots, you could have all 20 million robots learning 20 million different things every single day. And then the, where I see them taking over completely is the fact that Nikola Tesla was on to deriving energy out of the earth without using any type of fuel to burn it. Just, I guess the, I don't know much about Tesla. I've looked into, I've looked into his stuff. It's, it's really cool, but basically he could, you know, light a light bulb in the grass. I saw that in the movie, the prestige, right? Did a, a historical representation featuring uh David Bowie is who, who played Tesla and that pretty little tidbit of information for you right there. So I'm sure that's exactly what it looked like. Exactly. And the whole, the whole idea behind what Tesla was working on was the fact that we could literally power the entire world just by what was happening from the earth. We could, literally drive the electric magnetic field from the earth and it would be a truly renewable energy uh, resource. And he was figuring that out in the late 1800s, early 1900s before he died. And so if Tesla can get that far, how far do you think artificial intelligence can get before they figure out how to power themselves? And then we can't shut them off. (laughs) Think about it. Think about that. So you're, are you going like full, like Terminator, the machines take over and we're fighting them, you know, like that kind of that kind of world. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't know, but I can tell you it's a lot more real now than I think it's ever been. The more I think about it, the more I think this is a real possibility that humans are going to have a difficult time competing against robots because they they wouldn't need us. They know everything. Why would why do yeah. you need these stupid humans walking around? We're just a bunch of idiots. We're a bunch of dumb chimpanzees that have a lot of emotion. And we can't think logically and we, we, we kill each other. Or we make stupid decisions and robots would be like, yeah, what, what do we need all these idiots running around for? Well, uh, the one thing that's made me not totally freak out about that is that, 
it, in that you'd have to be assuming that inside of the robot would be programmed our human nature to conquest and take over and kill and everything. And so I think it's a little bit of, I don't know if that classifies as personification uh, or what it is, but I think it's kind of us projecting uh, our underlying motives into what we think robots might go towards someday. But there's nothing saying that if a robot has the ability to continue uh, becoming more and more powerful, that it's going to move towards any drive whatsoever. If it, I mean, but what if it learns human traits? Like, what if it learns those things? It might learn that those are the terrible traits that would get humans killed. It also, well, I guess it also <laughs> depends on who's developing these things. Here's, uh, I got it from a, it's it's hotnewhiphop.com. They're the one that has the story. <laughs> so, congrats your, to them. Uh, wait, is that your go-to news source? Yeah, that's they're on my home like my home page when oh, okay. I open them up. Hot new hip hop. So yeah, there you the, go. Dot com. That's where I go. Uh, so here is the AI uh, pretending to be Joe Rogan. Friends, I've got something new to tell all of you. I've decided to sponsor a hockey team made up entirely of chimps. I'm tired of people telling me that chimps are not capable of kicking human ass in sports. Chimps are just superior athletes, and these chimps have been working out hard. They're throwing kettlebells, battle ropes. Everything. I've got them on a strict diet of bone broth and elk meat. These chips will rip your balls off. It's impressive. All I got to say is, see you on the ice, folks. Being a robot has its benefits. I can pronounce tongue twisters now. Check this out. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. How many pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick? She sells seashells on the seashore. The shells she sells are seashells, I'm sure. Also, since my brain is connected to the internet, I've become a medical expert. Did you know that basilar membrane and otolaryngology are not autocorrelations? So, to me, that's that's super scary that they can do that. Like, that's crazy scary because if you go down the obvious conspiracy theory route, like, what is to stop someone from typing into a computer that anyone said anything they want them to do, they say? You know, what are you going to do when it's, say it's, Trump, maybe you're a Trump supporter and you're listening and and they have this machine where they can type in, you know. Well, okay, before we go down that route, though, how, yeah. how creepy is that? It's it's super creepy. Like, that was like one yeah. of the creepiest things I've ever heard in my life. I mean, like life. his voice inflections, like a, all, all kinds of little characteristics Even, that, that like he, he has. He kind of has a little bit of a lisp and that's in there. Yeah, hey, hey, gotta love the lisp, I man. Know. That's, a, that's what you need in radio these it's days, It's a trait right? for successfulness, I think. Absolutely, for sure. But... If I were to go down the conspiracy theorist route, you know, I was talking to, to Charlie about this beforehand, but uh, in in 2012, when Mitt Romney was running against Obama, uh, one of the main things that they said ended up killing his campaign was this this leaked audio of him at one of his uh, donor uh, dinners that he was uh, he was given a talk at, and he said something to the effect, uh, just kind of off the cuff, he said, "Well." you know, 40% of the country doesn't pay taxes anyway. So, so we're not basically saying that they weren't, they were lesser people than the people that he was talking to. And, and, and so, and that was a very low quality, uh, very barely audible version of Mitt Romney talking that we were able to say, okay, yeah, that's Mitt Romney saying that. 
And then you think about uh, the the audio from Trump. Trump and that, yeah, the locker room talk. Yeah, so the stuff about you know uh, paying the person with a check and do it like doing all of those things. If they start talking about uh, in you know any of those situations, and you can barely understand anything that's being said in the videos. So so what's to stop them from saying, okay, well this was a this was an audio device that was inside of someone's pocket and it's barely it's it's barely audible, but it, you can make out that this is Donald Trump's voice and and he's saying that for sure that he hates everyone who isn't white. And he said that. We just heard him say it barely, but you can hear the words. You know, like what's the what's to stop someone from doing that, man? Well, like, okay, so they have software to, like, to detect people's languages. Like, how would a software know the difference between one audio file and another? I don't think it could. Like, based on listening to that, and by the way, we're musicians, so we've got pretty good ears. <laughs> um, I don't, like, I think if you just would have played that and asked me, like, is that Joe Rogan or AI, I, I wouldn't know. Like, a legit wouldn't know. I would say that it was maybe a, a little doctored because you could hear a couple uh, awkward uh Awkward times between words, uh, awkward pauses, or a couple words uh, where maybe they messed up the ADR, you know, something like that, where they were editing and they messed it up a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of it's it's kind of difficult. And then expecting a then you're just expecting a computer software to rat out a computer software, and uh, you know that they're going to be teaming up together. Yeah. So, we talked about yeah. they're not going to tell on each other. No, they're not for sure. <laughs> There's no way for sure. So. Man, you know why? Because snitches get stitches. <laughs> exactly. That is one of the first lines of code typed into a computer. Right. For sure. First, <laughs> first thing AI learns: snitches get stitches. Yeah. So today, uh, I wanted to ask Charlie a little bit about uh, one of the topics that everyone's seeing. Uh, every, everyone's seeing it on their Facebook feed, and um, that is the fact that. Coke now has an orange vanilla flavor. Are you <laughs> excited about that? Oh, man, I do love Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah. Also abortion. Like if I was a NASCAR driver, I would put Coca-Cola on my windshield. Yeah. Well, like, it's dangerous. Like Ricky Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, then I also, once I go through those, um, I saw people posting about abortion is a thing now. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you... Uh, that's a cell phone. That's what that is. What do you uh, What do you think we ought to do about that? Because we get the the state governments uh, now coming out and nearly banning all, all abortions. I, I would say, and then there's some other state governments that are talking about some even heavier, you know, a little bit heavier uh, laws that they're that they're talking about passing. So. I mean, do you think we're that's moving in a in a good direction? Is that is that what we want to see as libertarians, uh, as people who love life and liberty and the pursuit of meaning? Like, how how do we feel about this, Charles? Let me. Okay, so, well, I'll start it off like this: abortion's wrong. I'm just going to get that out there. Uh, but that's not the question. The question is, what do you do about it? Like. Because everything that's wrong isn't necessarily illegal or should be illegal, right? Um, but it is clearly wrong because, and I think, uh, I think Jordan Peterson put this the best. Actually, he's like, 
you would never encourage someone to like, you would never encourage somebody that you love to get one. Like that's how you know it's morally wrong. Like, like prostitution, right? Yeah. Probably morally wrong. Like I would never encourage my mother to be a prostitute. Yeah. But it's something. You wouldn't need to. It's, <laughs> but it's something that shouldn't be illegal necessarily. Right. Because it's, it's their own person's pro like you own yourself. Right. Um, so that's the first thing I'm going to say. It's wrong. Um, I wrote this little piece, and I'm going to continue writing it because I've been thinking about this. Um, but I wrote a little piece. I put uh, some comments on Facebook, and I've, I'm kind of putting this together. I'm going to come out with an article that you'll see on goodmorningliberty.us, not .com. That's .us. That's how American we are. Yep. Goodmorningliberty.us. And I'm going to just continue to put my thoughts together because the real – the the, to answer your question directly, I don't know what the answer is, but I've seen some very interesting statistics. And what I would like to do is I would like to separate the conversation and the discussion because there's an interesting statistic out of Florida. Florida keeps track of all of their abortions. And I looked this up to verify because I saw a graphic on it and I was like, let me look it up to verify. But Florida keeps track of all of their abortions and what the reasons are behind them. And in 2000, I don't have them in front of me. I probably should have got them, but I'll give you a roundabout. In 2017, there were roughly 80,000 abortions in Florida. And 70, it was 75% of those abortions were all for elective reasons. It was for the health of the mother was 0.001%. Uh, rape and incest was, were like 0.02%. Um, the health of the baby was like, I don't know, 2% of abortions. And there was one other category, but it's literally. So what, what I want to do is I want to separate out. Let's So let's, if we use Florida as an example, how can we talk about the 75% of abortions that are just for no reason? And I also looked at age statistics too. Most abortions happen um, between the ages of women who are 25 to 40, um, really 25 to 35. So what I don't like about this discussion is most people that are pro-choice, they'll use the argue, they'll use tiny hyper substratas of data to justify everything. Like this isn't like somehow this is, this issue is the exact same thing as, or it's, it's as easy as two plus two equals four. Like, and this issue is way more complicated than that. And so you can't take the few cases, I think it's roughly around three to 5% where abortions happen from race, uh, rape, incest, um, you know, underage girls or things like that. Should they be allowed to get an abortion? Probably like you shouldn't be forced to have a child with somebody you shouldn't. Now, is it still a life? I think so, but that's a very difficult discussion. What I want to talk about are the 75% that are elective. If we use Florida as an example, so 75% are for no reason, right? So I wrote this thing. I said, I'm a pro-lifer. I would never encourage anyone to, I love to get an abortion. I think all humans deserve at least a chance at life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. I threw that last part in there for the show, <laughs> but every, every human, Deserves at least a chance at life and liberty. 
but I'm also not naive enough to believe that viability isn't a factor because there are a, a fetus below a certain point cannot survive even with medical treatment. That's why there's a lot of miscarriages. A lot of women have miscarriages. I said, I lean more towards Walter Block's theory of evictionism and we can get into that. I think it's the most logical stance and luckily with advances in modern science, the, the term to viability is becoming sh shorter. I'm still thinking about this issue because it's really complicated, but I don't think I necessarily support legislation measures and I'll get into that. I think I agree with the courts in row that the state does have an interest in protecting of life, protecting a life when it reaches viability. However, I'm more interested in trying to help people reach a more responsible life. So abortion would never be an option for them. If we can help people reach a better economic status, education status, and embrace the idea of responsibility in our culture, abortion numbers would drastically fall. Just what I've been thinking, just what I've been thinking lately, still not done thinking about it. And that's the thing. So this, so this is a very complicated issue. I, I said a lot of things in there about things I've, I've been thinking about. And to me, there is no right answer right now. I, I don't think that I necessarily support Alabama's legislation. I think I would, I think what I more support would be helping people to the best of my ability to help them become responsible, help them make more money, uh, help them become better educated. And you do all of that through liberty, property rights, free markets, all of that helps people become richer and ultimately more responsible. And so if we can fix that issue in society, I think abortion wouldn't even be something that would be an option for most people because they would be a lot more responsible. That's, that's what's, kind of, what's that answer? That's the problem with your answer is that these days, uh, people have a little bit less, a little bit lower attention span than a 25 year old goldfish that has Alzheimer's. And, and so that's, I disagree. That's a, well, I, I know all the, I know all the talking points on what we can pay attention to. The problem is with our, with our media. Uh, if you were in a political debate just then, uh, there's no way you would have been able to get out that answer right there at all. That's why we're but doing the, a podcast. The, the problem <laughs> is, uh, all of these issues, uh, are very complex. Every issue that we talk about is years and years and generations in the making. And to expect people, the, the problem is, if you have someone that can get their stance boiled down to a tweet, then it's not that great of an explanation, really, to me. And that's, that's something that people like AOC and BS are, are really good at. You know that they get those tweets out there that say this is wrong, and I and I here's why, and I'm going to fix it. And it, it's short enough they can say it, but you can't tweet all of that in one tweet, and and that's kind of the problem we have right now. I couldn't even get all that out really in one Facebook post. Like that's why I'm yeah putting an article together that would probably, I mean, I probably spent over ten minutes on that right there. Yeah, and that's just I'm scratching the surface because we didn't even get into evictionism. We didn't get into how we're going to increase people's economic status and their education status and their responsibility. Like how do we, how do we create all those things? And so we didn't even get into all of that, but those are just literally some of the things that I'm thinking about. And 
that's my biggest issue with the whole abortion discussion is it's such a complicated issue that how can people literally take one side or the other without just making a complete irrational emotional decision? And the, the problem is it is complicated. And, and a lot of people, let's say you're on the Christian conservative side of the issue. Um, the thing is, I don't think that people are wanting to pass laws so they can control women, which is what the the narrative that you kind of see out there right now. The only reason people care about passing this is so they can have control over women. Um, I think it's, uh, for the most part, 98% of the people that are, support this honestly believe that abortion is murder, uh, that, there's no, that there's no difference between the two. Um, and so I think that's why they're why they're pushing these kind of laws. So it is a really complicated issue, though, because it's obviously I don't know how to say it, but it's not exactly the same as murder because anyone, regardless of what their uh, race or sex or political affiliation is, anyone if you uh, walked up to someone in front of them and shot that person in the chest and they died everyone in the room regardless of the race or sex or political party would say that was murder just then and so that's an easy explanation of that's murder and we make a law about that but this is different because there are half of the population that believe that it is murder and half the population that honestly doesn't believe that it's murder so it's a little bit more complicated than than both sides want to make it out to be because one side wants to say we think this is murder and it's obviously murder and we're going to make a law about it and the other side says uh this isn't murder you just want to control women's bodies and and you know this is all about this is all about choice and that's why it's such a complicated issue And what about rape? What about rape? What about incest? Yeah. What about all these anomalies really? Cause well, that's what they are. And it, but okay. But you use that. They use that for the crux of their argument. And I take, I take more of it's a, it's murder side. But again, I'm not saying that I necessarily support legislation. I think there are better ways of going about it, but let's, okay. Let's think through some things. The birth control pill was invented in the sixties. So let's look at the history Let's look at human history of reproduction. We've had no, let's, we've had no sustainable way of, pre, of preventing pregnancy really before the birth control pill was invented in the sixties. So we're talking about almost 60 years worth of human history where the birth control pill has basically liberated women. Um, And so there's a lot of things that go along with that throughout all of human history, millions of years, there's been basically no way to prevent it. The other thing we can talk about that we need to think through is what responsibility do men have? I saw this tweet storm by this lady and she wrote an article and she tweeted out her article. It was see, she couldn't get it out in one tweet. It's a complicated issue, but she said, the the essence of it was men are responsible for 100% of unwanted pregnancies. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, and at first it's kind of shocking, but she kind of has a point. I'm not going to dismiss the whole thing. 
she kind of has a point. And what I like about that in the article, is she talks about responsibility. And the truth is, is like, you know, if one man sleeps with a hundred different women, he could create 100 different pregnancies in a year. If a woman sleeps with a hundred different men in a year, she can create one pregnancy. Maybe she could have twins or triplets, but she's, she's not going to get pregnant again. Once she gets pregnant, but once an entire year, maybe, maybe she get pregnant twice. Well, after the nine months are up, <laughs> that so, would really suck. <laughs> well, so what I would hear from that is exactly the opposite argument, because if we have a hundred pregnant women, there might be a hundred women who are partially responsible in one man. So that that's to me, it's a it's a disproving the point in inside of that point. And unless and I, and I posted on this because I, I saw it from the same place you did. I, the only, the main thing I didn't like from that tweet storm was the hundred percent number. Now right. it, it might be a high percentage, um, but I would still say so. Basically, her her thing boiled down to was that if men would just be okay with wearing condoms, uh, then then we wouldn't have any unwanted pregnancies, and that's partially true. But you would also have to have a woman's consent in the sexual intercourse without a condom when that took place. And that's actually what I, what I posted on, otherwise, on that. Otherwise that's rape. Otherwise it was rape. Right. And so uh, as long as, um, if this, if the sex has taken place and both parties know that there's no condom being involved, then both parties are responsible for stopping that act. Unless you see sex as something where a woman just lies there and does nothing whatsoever, which I think is a, is a really, like, I don't know, like a really grim view of what sex is between a man and a woman. Um, the the woman can still say, uh, I'm not cool with this, we're not going to have sex. And if the woman says that, then the intercourse will stop or there is a rape. Right. So there's still responsibility on both parties. If you boil it, If you boil it all the way down to... Each sexual act that happens between a man and a woman during that sexual act, both parties are equally responsible for what's taking place as far as the the uh, birth control uh, system that, that they wanted to have or or lack thereof. Right. And the, the, the responsibility. See, this is where responsibility is huge. And we're going to talk a lot about responsibility in the show. Because even if you take all birth control measures possible, like as even as far as vasectomies go, sometimes they don't work. Yeah. Like you still have, I think even with all birth control measures, condoms is actually like 80 something percent because they can break um, birth. But if you take birth control religiously on the hour every single day, you never mix it up or change. You still have like a 0.10% chance of getting pregnant. And the problem is, is people will engage in sexual activity without realizing that that 0.01% chance is there Mm -hmm. and they don't talk about what happens if that's the case. And so now you're left with, well, I'm not at a point in life to where I can have kids. Um, so, but I still want to gratify my impulsive pleasure, whether you're married or not, whatever. And you don't think about, okay, what if I did get pregnant? What would those consequences look like? 
can I afford to get pregnant? Whatever. And, and and no one wants to really have that conversation. Just like I made the analogy, just like when it comes to college debt, I think I talked about this on yesterday's show. Kids will sign the dotted line to go $200,000 in debt and not think about what the hell they're going to do after college. So we're, we're, we're all about, you know, I guess it's different for everybody, but like, well, let's talk about climax. It lasts for a couple seconds. Now girls can have multiple ones of those. So they get more seconds, but really like you're talking about, I read that somewhere right, in literature, talking about a couple seconds of dopamine, whatever. I'm not saying it's not awesome. Cause obviously it's awesome. Um, and it was supposed to, it's meant to be awesome. Like sex is not a bad thing at all. That's not what I'm trying to portray, but sex, every choice you make is a defining moment in your life and it has consequences. And I have a little boy, two and a half years old, and, uh, you know, his mom and I aren't together and, uh, she's a great mom and we co-parent very well. And I couldn't imagine not having him now. Was it expected? No, it wasn't at all. I think for both parties, it wasn't expected. And honestly, we didn't have that conversation, but like for me, abortion wasn't an option because I don't believe in it. And I don't think, you know, my son Parker, like he didn't do anything wrong. That's, that's my point here. But at that time, because I don't believe in abortion and there was nothing wrong with her health or his health or anything like that, there was no way that there was going to be an elective decision to end in my view, an innocent life that has the potential to do unbelievable things. And people talk about, well, what if they go into foster care or whatever? Foster care is a terrible decision, but you know what? A lot of cool people have come out of there. A lot yeah. of cool people have come from very poor places. I grew up really poor and not as bad as some people, but like what well, Thomas soul grew up in the hood in Bronx. Right? I've got, I've got a little niece and nephew that, that were, that were fostered and, and, uh, and that are adopted by my, by was, my uh, brother and sister-in-law now. So pretty sure I mean, Oprah was in the foster care system. Wasn't she not at the same time? No, 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 no. But I think she was in the system, right? Yeah. And now she's worth $3.2 billion. Yeah. And honestly, like we've aborted over 500 million kids now. So I think there was probably maybe one or two or five brains within those 500 that could have had the cure for cancer already. You look at how many people had to exist to get Nikola Tesla. How many people had to exist to get Albert uh, Elon Musk, to get Einstein? How many people came through the world before we got Bill Gates or before we got Steve Jobs? You know, how many people came through there before before those happened? And yeah, I mean, the more people you cut out of that equation, the less likely it is to get those statistical outlier people that are going to do great things and change the entire world. Uh, it The actual best thing for humanity would would be the the most amount of humans uh possible because all in all it's a it's a positive movement we keep moving you know humanity is moving upwards whether we feel like we're on a, a little downturn or not as far as humanity goes uh, the overall trend throughout time is a massive upward move a positive move for human beings uh, and the more people we have, the better ideas we have and the better things we, we come up with. So uh, I definitely see it from, from that standpoint, for sure. There's one, there's one thing that just to get 
in a little bit of the the political side of it for a second. I, I heard this. Uh, there was a town hall debate with uh, that Pete Buttigieg guy, the Mayor Pete. Yeah, something like um, that. And so he was asked if he uh, supported an abortion all the way up through the third trimester. And this is the the annoying response that I see and the and the kind of uh, I don't know there's a double standard on both sides this is how politics is but his response was well that accounts for only one percent of abortions so if you want to talk about abortion and, and only bring up a point that's only that's only one percent of abortions that are, which are the abortions in the third trimester then then you know you're just obviously trying to to skew the point and to to change the narrative and to take the take the eye off the ball here. So so here's a guy asked a question about abortion uh, for a section of abortions that equate to one percent of all abortions, and he's a Democrat presidential candidate, and he complains that the question is about something that is such a small percentage. And then what what we get, uh, you know, if if you're on the pro life side. You get people saying, "Well, what about rape and incest?" And that's their main point. What about rape and incest? What about rape and incest? They use they use a very they tiny use, portion to they make use a, their point. They use a one percent portion of abortions to make their point, and so that that whole just that hypocritical double standard that that really shows that that, that reality these days in in politics is just whatever they want it to be at, at any minute. It's a completely subjective reality for each new sentence uh, can have its own reality and its own subjective truth to it where they can get mad at you for only talking about something that's 1% and then they can immediately turn around and talk about something that's only 1% and all think that it's a, th- this amazing grand explanation for, what, for why you know, they should have their way. It, it just I don't like that. And by what I mean by they are people who are pro-choice, and uh, and when I say we, I would say pro-life. I'm on the same page as Charlie, where I, I uh, honestly believe that abortion is wrong and immoral, but I don't know that that laws are the way to fix it. The number one reason is because I don't think that laws will ever actually fix it at all. Uh, I think that we'll be going back and forth on this argument and this political divide forever, trying to change the laws back and forth all the time. And we'll never address what the actual problem is. You know what we should do? What's that? Maybe we should like divide the United States up into like maybe 50 smaller countries. That would never work. No. You know, like maybe like 50 separate sovereign states. Yeah. Huh. And you know, as a country, we still debate it, but like some states can can ban it if like that's what their population thinks, and then yeah. other states can allow it. Kind of like maybe Alabama and New York. So, and then if you didn't want to live where it was illegal, then you would move like just later down the road, and almost everything is the same. So you're saying we should take America and just break it up because it's too it's too big, and we can't all agree on it. We should break it up in the fifty different pieces that can all make their own rules. Yeah. And then what they should all pitch in money collectively for defense. But But, I mean, that's, 
That's crazy. Isn't that a radical idea? That doesn't make any. Yeah, man. Did you come up with that all on your own? Yeah. Well, actually, I got it from I got it from the founders of the yeah. country. <laughs> Isn't it so crazy that people Nate? Like, came, by the way, I got to give credit. Nate came <laughs> up with that. A couple like, two hundred and fifty years ago, three hundred years ago, they could be already knowing that we can't. There's no way we're going to take all of these people in this entire land and we're all just going to create this one mega unified government and, and all just be together and agree on everything. And, and they all, they already knew it was going to be too big. It wasn't going to represent the people down at the local level ever. They knew that it had to be kept in these 50 separate states uh, that all made their own laws and that you could go to whichever state freely that you wanted to. There's no borders between each state that all of those states would have free trade between one another. And all of those states would just, they would just put in money from each one of them to create a military that would defend all of those states. I mean, that's a, it's amazing that they knew that that's what it needed to be because that's what the answer is right now. It is. You brought up the Patriot yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when they're, they're debating on whether North Carolina should go to war, I think about that line and I can't remember who it was, but they're in a debate and he goes, Massachusetts and Virginia may be at war, but South Carolina is not. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, it's like, so, it's, so they use like Massachusetts and Virginia were like, like almost like separate countries as they should be because they're sovereign individual states. And they were like, South Carolina is not. But we don't want to join the war. That's how they looked at things at that point in time. Right. Our problem now is that we're looking at it as one country and the entire country must be on on the bandwagon, on all on the same path towards the same thing. We all have to agree on the same things or or we just have to make laws to 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 control everyone. And maybe that's not the answer. Well, I think so. But you bring up a good legal point, though, because the 14th Amendment still applies. Right. Because. You can't, one state can't take away somebody's liberties that another state allows, if you will, right? Yeah. Um, But I don't think abortion is one of those liberties. It's just, to me, they interpreted the 14th Amendment wrong. They applied it wrong when it comes to privacy, because I don't think this is an actual privacy issue. It's not, it has nothing to do with privacy. Well, that's why, and that's kind of what came down in Roe versus Wade. And that's why it's really just a, it's a pretty paper thin statute to, to keep abortion, uh, as a right. And, and the thing is when, when, what these states are doing, when it actually does go to the Supreme court, inevitably uh, as it will, there is a good chance that Roe versus Wade would no longer be the, the law of the land, if you will. Well, not that Supreme Court rulings should be the law of the land, but that's or they another could, episode. They could change viability to 20 weeks instead of, I think it's at 26 weeks. Yeah. Um, but science keeps improving. Like it may be in a hundred years, we may be able to like literally just keep babies alive from the time they're a zygote. Well, yeah. I mean, like, you know what I mean? It Maybe a hundred years, maybe even sooner than that, because like we've gone from 26 weeks in the seventies to 20 weeks, pretty much 20 weeks now. And it's 2020, so that's 50, I guess 50 years. We've gone down six weeks. So, yeah, I mean, we can get down to 14 weeks in the next 50 years. So in 100 years, we can get down maybe eight weeks yeah. when the heartbeat's detected. Do you think we'll ever be at negative weeks? 
Well, actually, we already are. We can create babies in yeah. petri dishes. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's another point I want to bring up. So, this is another argument made like, why don't Republicans, and I'm not a Republican, but I lean, I'm on the pro life side, um, but they just generalize everybody because everybody's in a box, um, which I disagree with. But they said, why? why aren't Republicans mad about all the murders from all the frozen zygotes that are thrown out once they're not used? And it's like, it's just a, to me, it's a moot point because like I said, I'm not naive when it comes to viability and a frozen zygote doesn't have viability unless it can be attached to a mother. And this is why I said, maybe I lean towards evictionism. Let's talk about that. Walter Block came up with a theory along with somebody else. I can't remember who it was. Charlie, somebody, not me. We'll just um, say it was you. Uh, yeah. And it's called evictionism. And what it is is that a woman owns her own body, right? And so she has, that's her private property. And we believe that. Like, we believe that you own yourself. You can do whatever it is that you want. You can make whatever you want, create whatever you want, as long as you don't harm anybody else's rights. And so the evictionist theory is, is that if a mother at any time, she can decide that she wants to get pregnant even because I can decide to invite somebody over to my house. And I just because I invite them over, doesn't mean that I have to keep them at my house the whole time. I can kick them out anytime I want. So I could even decide to get pregnant as a woman. And at any time during that pregnancy, if I no longer want that human inside of me that I, even if I invited it, then I should have the, at least the private property rights because I own myself to evict that person. But the difference is you don't have the right to kill it. And so the good thing about the term to viability becoming shorter is that if a woman decides to evict at 20 weeks, we could keep that human life alive. You know, we could actually, we could birth that human keep it alive. And maybe it goes into a terrible foster care system. Maybe somebody adopts it, but at least that life has a chance. And that's all I'm really arguing. Like, God, at least we all have a chance. So man, it, I got like, I have a chance to do stupid stuff. I've got a chance to do awesome stuff. Like I, and here's the other thing. I believe every life matters. Like every, every life literally helps knit the structure of reality itself. Like everything you do matters. It doesn't matter how many people you think that you impact. It only takes, what is it? 10, it only takes uh, 10 people to reach the whole, 20 people. What is it? I don't know what you're saying. So I'm not to sure. reach the whole world, like to have an impact. Oh on yeah. It's 20, it's 20 people factors into 6 billion, right? I don't know. If 20 people knew 20 people knew 20 Let me people. crunch the math on that. Yeah, that's it. Yes. So it's, so literally you have to impact 20 people to literally affect everyone in the entire world. That's how we're all interconnected with each other. So if you like literally everything you do in your, and, and my biggest thing is I just want every kid to have a chance, like have a chance to change their life, maybe break the foster care cycle. You know, like I, I grew up really poor. I lived in a trailer, a single mom. She had three boys. I don't think my mom, when I was growing up, I don't, think she ever made like, I don't know exactly what it was, but probably like never over $15,000 a year, you know, like really poor. Yeah. You know, well, I grew up insanely rich, so I don't understand <laughs> that at all. <laughs> but here's the difference. Like I, I get to send my kid to private school. Yeah. I like, I'm literally breaking the cycle because I had a chance. I just had a chance to 
wake up and just be a better version of myself than who I was yesterday. And I didn't let anything that happened in my life define who I am. I have, I, I literally could wake up every single day and I could decide, man, I could do all these great things if I wanted to, no matter what situation I was in. Now, granted, I wasn't in the foster care system. I don't know how horrible that is. I'm sure it's really terrible for a lot of kids, but they still got the chance. Yeah. If you were to go up to a kid that's in the foster care system, because a lot of the arguments I hear made are, oh, they're just going to go into the foster system and it's a terrible system. Well, uh, go up to a kid in the foster care system and say, hey, would you rather be dead? Your life doesn't matter. Yeah. They're like, hey, right now, would you take this right now or death immediately and see what they pick? They probably pick the foster care system. So I don't really like the idea of using, oh, they're going to go into the foster care system as a reason that they would be better off dead. That That's not obvious to me that you are better dead than in foster care. Okay, well, this leads to an amazing discussion about meaning in life. Yeah. And here's why. So the people that have this sentiment are the same people that believe that life is miserable and there's no way out of it, which they're not wrong about, by the way. Yeah. Because life is hard. It's really hard and it's very difficult. And a lot of times you ask yourself, what the hell is the point? Like, why do I need to wake up? Like what, what is my life going to matter in a, thousand years or a million years, whatever. I have no impact on anyone. And I used to think people that committed suicide were just selfish, but the older I get, the more I realize that they're not necessarily wrong because like, if you do commit suicide, then you do get rid of the suffering of life, right? A lot of, a lot of people that think deeply that realize that life is suffering. Life is painful. The tragedy strikes all the time. You know, you're going to die. Everyone you love is going to die. Like what's the point in going on? Well, you can take that pain away and that suffering away by committing suicide. And a lot of people, not only do they reach that point, but they reach the point of like the school shooters and other people. Like if you read what they wrote, they actually say life is, human existence is so miserable. Not only do I want to take myself out, I want to take as many people out as I possibly can. That way nobody has to suffer. And they're so in abortion, they're making the same argument. Well, we, these kids are better off dead than they are to suffer. And it's like, that's not for you to decide. Yeah. Because I believe the opposite. You know, I believe that yes, that life sucks and it's, like the hardest thing you could ever do. And you make a lot of stupid decisions that make it worse. But at the same time, you have a chance to make an impact and make the world a better place than you found it. And you have like, you literally are part of, of the structure of reality itself because that's all we actually perceive is like we have, we make up the potential of what could be. And everybody does that through their individual choices. So why do you, why should anybody else have the power to say your life is not important enough because you're going to have a, a terrible childhood. So it's better off that you're dead. That's a good point. The one thing I would say, as far as the, the legal standpoint on if I, if I'm thinking from a, from a Christian conservative point of view on, on this, if we're going to round out the, abortion talk is um 
you don't you don't win you don't win by getting a law passed that says that people can't have abortions anymore because you never actually fix the problem actually what you might do is what you what you might do is make the problem worse so over time potentially because you're still not addressing what the actual problem is which is what we've been talking about it's it's responsibility it's morality it's all of these things uh, that that human beings are losing over time and you don't cause someone to become moral or to become more responsible by making something illegal that that's not what you did uh, and as time goes on and more and more generations pass um, you didn't you didn't actually fix the problem it's actually just going to keep getting worse we'll continue having the abortion conversation will continue going back and forth on what the law should be or shouldn't be. You know, this people thought it was settled 50 years ago. It's still not settled. If it goes to the Supreme Court now, it still won't be settled. And 20, 30 years from then, it'll just get changed again. So if I were a Christian conservative and I was concerned about abortion, I would want to be looking at what is the actual problem here that needs solving the actual problem is that people think that this is an okay thing to do that's the problem not that people do it it's that they want to do it so stopping someone from doing it doesn't fix anything at all you you still have an entire segment of the population that thinks it's an okay thing to do they're just mad that they're not allowed to do it anymore you know so if I if I'm gonna if I'm gonna talk to a Christian conservative person, that's that's what I would say to them is, yeah, this is a bad thing. It is immoral, but let's let's just let's address the real problem. It's the real problem is people's economic conditions. It's their uh, irresponsible nature in their lives. Um, it's you know crime that takes place. If you want to address the one percent where it's rape and incest and things like that. It's all of those issues. None of the issues are that there is a mode of of having abortion. That's, that, that's not the issue. The issue is the reason that someone goes to an abortion clinic in the first place. You know, statistically, 30% of abortions um, are African-American. It's in the black community. And I think what you see is this perpetual cycle of poverty and we talk about raising people's economic status, we have like this cycle of poverty that you see in um, in large part in Hispanic communities and black communities. Um, I mean, there's white communities that have it too, but it's the, the people are led to these decisions because they've been basically on the system their whole lives and they can't break out of this cycle. Now, some do, and some go on to live, you know, amazing lives. You think about the NFL stars, the NBA stars, uh, the different rappers, comedians. You think about um, the different actors. You think about Thomas Sowell, you know, Oprah Winifrey, obviously people that go on to do amazing things, but most people are in, end up stuck in, you know, they, a, lot, a lot of them are raised by their mother only. There's a lot of drugs and things that are happening, but you have to look at why all this is caused. Well, one, probably the drug war, 
um, which which should be ended, and we can do a whole episode on that. A bunch of them, yeah. And the other is the economic policies, uh, like rent control and the the government housing, and and not allowing these people to have any purpose or meaning in their life, and so. They have no reason to get out of bed. They have no reason to be responsible. They have no reason to want better things for themselves. It's just, it's literally just an existence. That's all it is. And the kids grow up in just an existence and they do the same things and they all do the same things. And it's just this never ending cycle. It's like, how did Detroit, one of the most successful cities in all of America become what it is today? Like, how did that happen? In in the freest country in the world. Bad economics. Exactly. So when we talk about this is why we do what we do and we talk about raising people's economic status, it's not through shelling out money or anything like that. It's about trying to give people a hope and a purpose and a meaning in life to adopt some responsibility and to take life head on in that and advocate for free markets and private property rights and the principles that we believe in and self-ownership and that you should be allowed to do whatever you want to do as long as you don't harm anybody else in the process. And the reason why we advocate for those things is because history has proven over the millions of years that humans have been in existence in all types of societies that we have tried, as bad as capitalism is, it's the best system that we've ever come up with, ever, ever. It's never risen more people out of poverty than anything that we've ever come up with. You know, I saw a debate uh, today. I saw this video. They were arguing about socialism versus uh, versus capitalism. And one one guy on the socialist side was like, well, look at China. Look at their economic success in a short period of time. You know, they're under communist rule. They're under socialist rule. Well, you know, what's funny. What and I, and I think I mentioned this yesterday. What gave China their success wasn't socialist central doctrine. What gave China its success, its, its success in the 80s and 90s was rebellious farmers who adopted capitalist principles of private property that blew that that they expanded their production tenfold. And if you look at China today, you could argue that their business practices are more capitalistic than America. Well, and another thing, just talking about China, you could get on to. You know, you could talk about the fact that maybe they're stealing a bunch of our patents. They're selling knockoff products of, of what the U.S. has. And and that's maybe a reason that they're becoming prosperous also. Um, that's also the reason that a lot of other countries around the world have any prosperity at all uh, is the fact that we've had the, the good old U.S. of A. over here um, inventing and creating and innovating and and building all of these new technologies and these new machines to all in the pursuit by the way of making a little bit more money the the entire time has been for the purpose of making more money but we get people talking about the scandinavian countries also tell me what those people use in their daily lives that was invented and created and produced inside of that country at all. And then, okay, look at what you use on a daily basis and then look at where it was invented or where the innovations on it came from. Uh, What actually made the production on it cheap enough that people could have it? Because you could look and say, well, the automobile, okay, the automobile was invented um, 
in the 18, uh, I think 1880 something in Germany, actually. A uh, guy by the last name of Benz, or it was a guy by the last name of Mercedes. I don't remember which one it was, <laughs> um, but that was actually their last name, one of them. Yeah. And uh, they create, they invented the automobile. Now, the problem is, the automobile was so expensive that no one could afford it. So yes, it was invented there, but no one ever came up with a way for people to actually be able to use this thing. Unless you were in the, the top 0.01%, you could somehow find a way to have an automobile. The only way that that product was ever brought to people, some of the poorest among us. Ordinary people. Ordinary people that are that are poor and feel like their their lives are completely terrible and they've been dealt a uh you know dealt a bad set of cards here uh they're still driving around in a car maybe it's a piece of crap car maybe it's one that's 10 years old and they still think it's terrible you know but they're still driving around the car and that only happened because Henry Ford wanted to make more money that that's why it happened because he took the automobile and said okay well uh, a very small portion of the population can afford to buy this. What if I could make it to where almost everyone could buy one? Uh, I could make a lot of money if I did that. So we found a way to produce it. So the 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 point I'm getting to there is even when you look at all of these other countries that that have some success under socialism or communism, where would those countries be if you took away every single innovation that happened in America? And then put them where where they would be without those products, without Steve Jobs inventing the iPhone, uh, which piggybacked off of a lot of uh, other phones that were made here, which piggybacked off of the computer, which was invented here, and the I mean all all of these things that still just came out of American creations, even when they were invented in other countries, they never were incentivized to found to find a way to produce them at a cheap enough price that the poorest among us could afford them. I'd say the closest competitor would probably like Great Great Britain in yeah. the Industrial Revolution. But the, again, a free country, though. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, not as free as America. Um, but, but They actually they had pretty good economic freedom at that point in time. They, right. they did not have as many regulations. They were pretty free business climate at the time of the Industrial Revolution. Most of the time, these innovations these revolutions happen at a time of uh non-regulated businesses they are able to actually create things and then what happens is the the government comes in later to put their hands in your pocket after that so you've just, got too much money yeah we it's need a, it's an we issue. need some there's a lot of bad uh there's a lot of bad economics going going around there you know a lot of people see these tweets uh from people like bernie sanders I will continue to call him BS for the rest of the program um, (laughs) because it takes less time. Yes, Um, and it's true. Yeah, so you see tweets from BS, and and I saw this one. uh, I saw him talking the other day. He officially came out against uh, baseball players and the amount of money that they're... Did you see this at all? No. Yeah, so he was given a speech, and uh, he said, "If, if in America... If we can afford to pay baseball players hundreds of millions of dollars, then we can afford to pay teachers a, a living wage. And the problem with things like that is, okay, that that's a good emotional uh, argument for the fact that teachers should get paid more money. They're probably undervalued. Your mom's a teacher, right? Uh, yes, yeah. for sure. And, and 
based on her pay, she teachers are severely un- underpaid, and I completely agree with that. Um, but the point stands that um, we don't pay. Uh, you know, the government does not set pay for baseball players. Uh, the government sets pay for teachers. It doesn't set pay for baseball players. We pay baseball players by watching baseball on TV or by going to baseball games. Right. How many tickets do, does your mom sell to her classroom every day? Not a lot. Right. Not a lot of them. Actually, she probably wouldn't be allowed to. Would, exactly. Would be the uh, the actual issue. Is her uh, classroom on TV? She has TV contracts. You know, I talked to her the other day about taking video in her room. She said that actually legally wasn't allowed. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. Uh, but the, there's just a, there's like an economic, uh, there's a economic sleight of hand there where the, you use the emotional argument and you use this statistic that sounds crazy and then you weigh it against something else and say, if we can afford to do this, then we can afford to do that. And it doesn't mean that it makes sense. I mean, even if you were to think about the number of uh, professional baseball players out there, I don't know how many major league baseball teams there are. Uh, and actually, I don't even know how many people are on each team, but I would say the number is in the hundreds of the amount of professional baseball players that are out there. Something like maybe that. even in the thousand or so. I think baseball maybe baseball teams are pretty big. So the the you issue got like the bullpen. The issue then would be you're now comparing. Let's say there's a thousand baseball players. Um, you know, 10% of which are paid at the amounts that he was talking about, less than 10%. Right. Um, and you're comparing that to a career field that has, let's just say that there's 20,000 schools, and that's probably a really low number. I, would I actually say. think it's 40,000. Yeah. So, somewhere around there. So then at that point, you're talking about um, in the hundreds of thousands of teachers, hundreds of thousands of teachers. And saying that because we can afford to pay uh, maybe 50 baseball players salaries in the high millions, maybe 50 baseball players in the high millions, we can obviously afford to pay hundreds of thousands of teachers more money. Do you know most professional baseball players actually make less money than teachers? Yeah, I, I can believe got that. Single A, double A, and triple A teams. Yeah, yeah. And almost every single one of them, unless they got drafted in a high position, they got a big signing bonus. Almost every single one of them make between thirty to fifty thousand a year playing professional baseball. And so, you, so you have that bad comparison as a as an example, but then also the fact that teachers don't get paid a lot because there aren't a lot of people paying for what teachers are offering all the time. They're paid based on what the government wants to pay them. They're not paid on their value. They're paid on based on time served is what I call it because they're just paid based on the amount of years that they've been teaching. Um, and then baseball players are paid based on the amount of money that they're actually going to bring in for the organizations because exactly. there are millions to billions of dollars brought in for pro- professional sports because people watch the watch sports and they pay to go to the games and, and all these things. Like how many jerseys is this guy going to sell? It's just what a, what a terrible comparison, you know, but, but then the, the crowd that's listening to him, obviously just standing ovation, like, Oh, this, that was the greatest point I've ever. Oh my God. He's so right. He's so right about that. You know, if I wanted to find maybe an archive of all the crazy things that, uh, 
that Bernie advocates for. Like if I wanted to find it all like in one location. Yeah. Is that available? You know, it didn't used to be. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but now it is because, and we're still working on it. We're still building it. But you could go to BernieLies.com. BernieLies.com which will bounce you right over to the Bernie lies section of the good morning Liberty website. That's so amazing. That's, that's all you got to do right it's there. It's all in one yeah. location. I'm going to dedicate a lot of time to what I just did just then with one thing that Bernie Sanders said, I can easily put that into an article, uh, which we're then going to do audio versions of all of the articles, which is a monumental genius idea. <laughs> And then brought to you by <laughs> Good Morning Liberty, Nate Thirsty. <laughs> um, and, and we're going to put those all on there because, it, of all people, I don't know about you, but you know, obviously, with me, Bernie Sanders bothers me more than any other human being I could I could name offhand right AOC's now. AOC is pretty close. She's close. She's of the same ilk. But she's really young, so I give her a pass sometimes because she's younger than me. But she does have, she went to school for economics. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure, was it maybe Robert, is it Reich or Reich? Oh, Ra- God. Is, was he the professor, maybe? Oh I don't well, know. Well, that explains it right there. <laughs> There's the problem. It was Emotionomics 101. <laughs> emotionomics. So... <laughs> Congratulations on your degree. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he bothers me a lot because there so many people, this is why I targeted him because so many people show up to, to listen to him. And all he's the got, time. well, I mean, he has a legitimate shot to win the 2020 nomination. He even. still he absolutely right. does. Yeah. And which, okay. Would Bernie Sanders be worse than Donald Trump? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. 100%. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and answer that question for you. Uh, yeah. As Okay, as bad as some of the things Trump's done, which we haven't got into yet, but like, um, you know, the tariffs and things like that. As bad as Trump has been on some things, he has been good on other things. And so uh, Bernie would be a complete disaster and I think would would ruin this country a lot faster than someone even as a, as abrasive and crazy as Trump. But I'm still not going to vote for either one. The the worst thing I I I've decided from Trump that from Trump that I see the kind of societal worst thing I've seen is a conservatism and Republicans. If there if there was a mainstream party that was still focused on limiting the power of government, then it it was the Republican Party at at one point in time. And that's been that's been eroded over several Republican presidents, but uh, this there's always Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, this ment- yeah <laughs> this mentality that I see from the from the Trumpets uh, of he can literally do anything and and you have to support him. Um, that mentality that I've seen is very dangerous to the the cause of liberty if if you will if there if there is a party that's going a mainstream party that's going to push that um i think that trump has done uh a nearly irreversible damage to the idea of conservatism conservatives the republican party 
I think that he will be the last Republican president for a really long time. And that, that's how I felt before he got elected. And so what I told one of my Republican friends in the, in the primaries and everything was that if he won, he would be the last Republican president for uh, over, over a decade. Do you think he'll, least. you don't think he'll win 2020? If Joe Biden runs against him, I think Biden wins in, in the embarrassing landslide. There, you heard yeah. it there first. Yeah. If Sanders win, uh, goes against them, I think Trump still wins because Trump will still get all of the uh, the blue collar voters, the people who are uh, worried about more jobs going away because manufacturing people, yeah, unions. Like actual, you know, you see kind of his his really really loud uh, hardcore minority people that that are following. And by minority, I mean uh, socialist you know, real socialists, those, those kinds of people, you see his very tireless group of people that are very loud, um, following him around, but that doesn't translate to a nationwide election. To me, I think you, you eventually get people who, uh, will think about things a little bit more logically and rationally that are, that are going to be voting, uh, that would keep him from winning. So a lot, a lot of older people. Vote yeah. Too. Pe- yeah. And people that, uh, People that want to keep their jobs, um, I think that, that they they would not vote for for Bernie. But people uh, who have been at their job for a while, who uh, who want to keep their job and not have them make massive cuts or their company go overseas, anything like that, I think they want Trump to stay in office. The only hole I see in that would be that literally the DNC had to manipulate the results to make sure that Hillary Clinton got the nomination. Otherwise it would have been Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. So true. But I don't know. He may have more of a shot than we think, but God, this dude has been a career politician his whole life. He's never, he's doesn't, he's literally never done anything. He's never created value for a single. He's only taken. He's only taken money from a lot of people and then distributed some value to us, to a small group. Of people like mainly himself yeah but mainly himself um luckily enough for him he was able to write a book and become a millionaire yeah. uh which is which is good um he had a very hilarious statement on that which was that hey well, there's nothing wrong with him being a millionaire yeah, yeah it's fine though he said oh, i didn't realize it was against the law to write a best-selling book you know if you want to become a millionaire you can write a book too exactly yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, if if you want to take the path towards becoming a millionaire, you can become a millionaire too. Thank yes. you. There's like a thousand people that become a millionaire every single day. It's it's insane, but he still pushes this mentality that all these people are holding you down, and there's no way for you to make it anywhere unless he has complete power over everything. He still pushes that mentality while while boasting about the fact that he decided to write a book and become a millionaire freely oh on his own free his own accord. It's so funny. It's, it's so funny to think about that. It's the I've I talked to you a, a lot of times about how I wanted to, um, you know, I haven't found a, a way to to talk about it really, but the warped reality that that they're creating right now. The and I kind of said it earlier, but like. This everything is subjective. Uh, reality is what you want it to be in that moment. There, are, there aren't any actual principles whatsoever. There is only 
this conversation right now and then that's it there's no principle that extends out from that the next conversation has its own new set of principles uh its own new reality you can have people talking you can have just like what i just even bernie sanders talking about it's impossible for you to get ahead while laughing about how easy it was for him to get ahead by doing something like i mean it this complete distortion of of reality at at all times and people just buy into it. And that's why I see it's so dangerous because we've seen this in history before. And I'm not I'm not just like a you know a a a World War II alarmist or anything here. I'm not drawing every comparison to it, but I've been reading a book called The Road to Serfdom, uh, which is by F.A. Hayek. And the scary thing is that I can't tell if it's if he just wrote this book a couple months ago or if it was written in the 1940s which is when it was written yeah you know that that's the really Kinda scary like 1984 thing. yeah by george orwell yeah that the crazy part about orwell was the uh that i've heard on that book was that he imagined this world where the government was gonna have to forcefully put cameras everywhere and he never imagined that that people were going to voluntarily carry around their own microphones and cameras with them at all times. You know, that, even that was better. Yeah. I mean, still, you know, that, that wasn't even imagined at the time, but I like, yeah. uh, you know, Gary V was talking about how people don't care about privacy. And yeah. He was like, you know, we say we care about privacy, but look at all you guys sharing every single little detail about your life on social media. It's like, you don't act it out. You don't act out the fact that you care about privacy, but the different, okay, let me explain the difference. Voluntarily sharing your private life is way different than a government forcibly stealing details of your private life without probable cause. Yeah. It's completely different, completely different. Yeah. But it is crazy how we, I mean, we literally, we carry around a freaking super advanced pocket computer. It's got camera on it, a microphone that's probably always turned on. And there's nothing you can do about it. Even if it's dead, it probably still works. Um, <laughs> and it's really cool. It does all kinds of things. You can answer any question you have pretty much just by going to Google or you can ask Siri or whatever the Alexa or whoever's on there. You can do all these amazing things on it. And um, we share, we use apps on here where we literally share our entire day, every single thing that we do. I have a cousin right now posting on Facebook about her surgery happening tomorrow and I've gotten every single update. It's like, Oh, well pre-op's been scheduled. Uh, my surgery's at this time and Oh, I just read some reviews about this hospital. I'm not sure I want to get the surgery now. Can anybody tell me any good, any good things about it? Oh, here's a couple good reviews. Well, that's perfect. Uh, I, you know, she tells you exactly what, uh, body part she's getting surgery on. She tells you exactly what's going on with all of her medical history. Which, by the way, if, if somebody else were to do that, it's completely against HIPAA laws, right? Yeah, yeah. But you can volunteer that information to Facebook if you want, and then all your friends, or if you make it public, can see it, whatever. But there's a huge difference in voluntarily sharing that information on the internet versus somebody going into your private life and, and just keeping records of it for future use. I always I thought it was interesting that all of the uh all of the outcry about the the scandal with Facebook where all the information was 
was given out to uh, I can't remember the name of the company, the um, Cambridge Analytica yeah, that's scandal, right. that thing. Yep. Um, it was interesting to me how people decided that 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 was terrible, which which I I don't agree with. They shouldn't give out any information that they didn't tell you they were going to give out, or that they said specifically they wouldn't give out. Um, but people were just upset that just, just a little bit of that information was good. It wasn't your social security number. You know, it wasn't your debit card number. Sometimes it wasn't even your birthday. Uh, it was whatever information you had on your, on your Facebook profile. And it was a little bit of your, uh, your habits on, on your phone, probably that they were, that they were gathering from, from the messenger app and from their other apps that you use Facebook to sign into. Um, you get a lot of outcry from that, but then some of the very same people that just don't care whatsoever that the government is recording every single thing that you do on your phone at all times if they want to, um, and everyone's fine with it. You know, they can they can do whatever they want. The biggest difference is private companies don't have the power of force. Yeah, like Facebook can't put me in jail. Yeah, right? well, even if I do something like they can't you get Facebook they, jail, you know, like whenever you. Uh, yeah, they can suspend yeah. my account. Yeah, but they can't actually physically come to my house with guns and put me in handcuffs and put me in a cage. Yeah. Right. The government can. That's the difference. That's the, and it's a very big difference. By the way, how much did Facebook lose in like six hours? Was it like 20 billion? Oh, yeah, it was like 20 billion dollars. Something billion, like that. 20 billion in yeah. like six hours. That's the that's the free market. Yeah. Uh, saying something about. Yeah when someone does something wrong. That's that's the great thing. That that even when a company does something wrong, they get an immediate reaction from the market, literally the market, of people saying, You're not as valuable as we thought you were. We think you're gonna go downhill. We're gonna take our money that we gave you as investments away from you. You know, they literally lose twenty billion dollars in an instant. And that's the good thing about when a company has some kind of not say control, but when a, a company is handling something, if they do it improperly, they get the immediate feedback and immediate response, and they have consequences if they if they do something wrong. But with with the government, that there are no consequences. And this happened like this happened what twenty or two years ago, right? And if it was like let's say this was you know government social media, like yeah. this was uh this was federal book. Yeah, that's you posted everything on. Um, then we would still be having congressional hearings about it. Oh yeah, <laughs> there would sure. be there'd be no consequences. Yeah, like oh, the government sold all your data uh, to this company, kind of unknowingly, but they still did it. And uh, yeah, there's no consequences. Yeah, they're just they're, we're just having hearings. We're and actually by the way, spending more money. They're going to keep uh, forcefully taking money from you to divert to the offices at FedBook to keep the uh, the company going. Uh, for as long as possible. Uh, we can't fire anyone there because it's nearly impossible to fire government employees. So um, we are uh, sorry, kind of. <laughs> and uh, and that's that's what that's what you're going to get. Yeah. yeah. That's well, it. you know, we didn't mean to poison your water, Flint. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But 10 years later. But we ugh. did. You know, we did. And that's our bad. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. A little bit. Hopefully somebody fixes it. Maybe yeah. our buddies. What like, we're going to do is we're going to forcefully take money from other people now to fix our mistakes from when we were taking your money without your consent 
Um, and we make sure our buddies yeah, get that contract. That'll fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well, yeah. I'm good. I think this does I'm it. Good. I think this does it for episode two of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Well, what do we need everybody out there to do? Nate? Um, they need to go first off to Facebook and like our Facebook because that's where we're most active. Uh, they can follow on Twitter at Good AM Liberty because Good Morning Liberty is too long for a Twitter handle. You can go to Instagram, Good Morning Liberty. You can go to goodmorningliberty.us to get all of our articles and all of these links I just talked about. Um, you or can BernieLies.com. Yeah, you can go to BernieLies.com and you can hit subscribe. That will get, uh, when we write a new article, um, like we like the one that we just wrote about how ridiculous the comparisons on payday loans are, um, you, can, you can go to that website, subscribe, and we'll send you a new article. That way... In, when a conversation's taking place on Facebook, you can be the person that chimes in with a logical, rational argument. And no one will like you for it. That's, the, that's one thing that we'll have to you know, warn you about. The, the more rational and logical you are, the, the less liked you will become because it's really hard to be logical and rational. It's way easier to be emotional all the time. That's a natural reaction for, for most people. So uh, learn at your own peril. That's <laughs> that's all I got at goodmorningliberty.us. That's right. <laughs> and if you listen on iTunes to our podcast, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Uh, five stars. Just do it. Five stars. Uh, or four. Yeah, five or four. That's your only two options. That's it. To leave a review. Uh, yep. Maybe say something. Say something. Uh, you can even make fun of us. We don't care. Please we don't care. make fun of us. Yeah. Do it. Nate's got a lisp. I kind of stumble sometimes. Yeah. We're wandering aimlessly right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so any amount of reasons. All right. Well, we hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.